independent game development has enjoyed something of a renaissance in the last few years. Digital downloading and platforms such as Steam, Xbox Live, and PlayStation Network are opening up new avenues for smaller devs with smaller budgets, enabling them to get their work in front of more gamers. Recently, a new wrinkle has been added to the mix, crowdfunding. With the smash success of Double Fine's multi-million dollar point-and-click adventure project funding, Kickstarter.com has entered the indie dev landscape in a big way. Today we're going to talk about Kickstarter and what it represents to us as gamers. What happens when we get to choose the games we want before they're made? For May 6th, 2012, I'm Mike Dunn. And I'm Ron Burke. And this is the Gaming Trend Podcast. So, so welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just want to, you know, briefly touch on the fact that it's been literally several months uh, since we've had a podcast. Uh, we we kind of had to take a break once the, the full gaming rush came up and then, you know, we started focusing on other aspects of the site. But we really wanted to get this ramped up again in time for E3 because we've got some big plans. Uh, first off, we've got a format change. We're going to do shorter podcasts, about 30 to, five, 30 to 45 minutes each, and we're going to focus on one topic. Um, we might go back to the let's talk about what's coming out this week uh, once the, the fall gaming rush starts again, but it just doesn't seem – it seemed like a, an exercise of doing it just for the sake of doing it right now. Yeah, and there's always, you know, that thread that you can follow in our forums that pretty much tells you what's coming this week anyway. Exactly. Uh, and also, we're going to do multiple podcasts during E3 from L.A. Uh, this year, Ron, myself, and uh, our lead editor, Keith Schleicher, are going to be uh, going to E3 and providing coverage, all kinds of coverage for you. But... We're bringing the podcast equipment along, and we're going to uh, give you uh, nightly, hopefully nightly reports. If not, we'll we'll at least do uh, probably about three, at least three over the course of that week. Um, but that that's that. It is what it is. We're back, and we're we're ready to talk. Yep. So, first off. Let's let's talk about Kickstarter. So, what is Kickstarter? Um, Kickstarter, in their in their own words, uh, is is a way to fund and follow creativity. It's a funding platform for creative projects. Um, basically, someone can post a project to Kickstarter and provide the the users the opportunity to fund their project and kind of get in on the ground floor. Uh, you know, it's not just about saying, hey, I funded that. It's also, hey, I funded that and got a cop, you know, a piece of this project before it became available to everybody else. Um, they, they provide you, they provide the uh, project owners ways to uh, have rewards, tiers of rewards for different uh, price points met and it's it's been around since 2008 actually they they launched this site in 2008 um they've successfully enabled uh 
over two thousand projects. Over from what two, I've read. yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, in everything from art to comics to games, of course, uh, independent filmmakers are using it as a way to fund their projects. Uh, photographers, publishing. Uh, it, it basically the the only real parameter they have is that it has to be creative. Yep, I found a, a project that I'm actually going to be funding myself uh, when we were starting to prep for this podcast. Uh, Chris Hillsbeck uh, is the guy who wrote the the soundtrack for God everything on the Amiga, but more specifically, uh, one of his best hits was the the Turrican franchise, and uh, he's putting out a, a three CD set of the anthology of all those all that music. Um, and yeah, everything from five dollars all the way up to seventy five hundred dollars will get you uh, access to that project. Uh, the cool part is twenty eight days to go, and already well exceeded uh, his goal. Uh, the original goal was seventy five hundred uh, seventy five thousand dollars, and uh, he's already at one hundred and twenty thousand. If that gives you any idea, uh, you know the the level of support that he's already received for for his creative project. And, and I mean, that's, that's kind of a pattern with, with Kickstarter. If, if the, the value of the project is, is made, you know, very visible by the project owner, or if, if the project owner is, is someone that has a history, then, then success like that isn't, isn't necessarily out of the ordinary. Uh, I've actually funded about six or seven Kickstarter projects over the last year or so. Um, mostly like iPad and iPhone, uh, little gadgets and stuff. Uh, like I, I funded uh, something called the Cosmonaut, which is a wide grip stylus for touchscreens, uh, which I actually use quite a bit. Um, and uh, one of the other projects that I funded, I'm still waiting to uh, get my reward for it. Uh, it was the Elevation Dock, which is a an iPhone dock that um, that actually is just very well designed. Um, works a lot better than anything else out there I've seen. From what I can see, I'm really anxious to try it out for myself. Um, I think and, the other aspect of it is that it also enables. Um, it also enables these folks to, to live outside of what they would normally be able to do. Like uh, referring back to this, this Turrican soundtrack, uh, it doesn't take 75 grand to, to rebuild your own soundtrack. But it does if you want to hire uh, the Symphonic Orchestra of Cologne, Germany to do it, which is exactly what he did. So uh, it enables these guys to go back and kind of, in this specific case, revisit work that he's already done and elevate it to a completely new level that would have been otherwise completely impossible for him to achieve on his own. Exactly. And I mean, companies have sprung up as a result of initial projects funded by these, by Kickstarter. Uh, there's a company in Austin that uh, had a Kickstarter project last year. It was basically a tripod. It, it was an attachment for the, the gorilla pods, you know, the, the tripods that are like really super adjustable. Uh, have right. you seen those? Uh, they're basically roller skate wheels for the feet of those. <laughs> nice. And, and so you can like, you can like set up your camera and adjust the legs so that the wheels will make it go around in a circle, and you can just push it and record, or, or like you know, photograph whatever. 
whatever you want to do with it. And, and it's, it's kind of like a steady cam. Uh, nice. and, and you can do all kinds of different things with it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he formed a company and he's selling that. And, you know, I've seen him at a number of, uh, of local events and conventions, uh, you know, showing that off and, and getting a lot of attention. So it's, it's really, I mean, it's really kind of revolutionary, this concept of crowdfunding. And it's, it really feels like it's starting to come on its own, onto its own. Um, I mean, shortly after Double Fine's success, they, uh, there was a bill in England and a bill in the U.S. introduced to help encourage uh, crowdfunding and, and kind of protect it. I mean, when you look at crowdfunding, this is essentially what we've been saying to people all along. If you want, you know, if you don't like XYZ company and you don't like what they're doing to your beloved franchise or whatever, you got to vote with your wallet. Well, in this way, I mean, if you stop buying a game, you're just one of many, you know, one of millions perhaps. But in this way, when you see a project that you feel passionate about, you can then vote with your wallet in the other direction and say, yeah, I believe in this so much that I'm willing to actually open up my wallet and spend money on it ahead of time. Um, so, for instance, uh, you've got the Double Fine Adventure that you mentioned. Uh, similarly, uh, a lot of us old school RPG players, uh, even before I got into the Ultima franchise, we all cut our teeth on the original Wasteland and Zork. So, you know... Uh, the fact that there's actually a Wasteland 2 project and it's completely crowdsource funded is amazing to me. Right. Right, exactly. And 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 that's I mean there's a Shadowrun game coming out too. I mean, it's it's like I I remember the brief amount of time that I worked for an indie uh development company, uh Timegate Studios back in God like 2000 2001. Um, I remember E3 was the big deal because that's where we went to find publishers. Like, you know, you basically do your dog and pony show for every publisher you can, you know, put a screen in front of. And, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of how it's been. Right. And the, the big publishers are, are really, uh, you know, they're, there's a certain myopia that they have. Uh, they're very short-sighted. They're, 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 they're corporations. They're concerned about their bottom line, and they're not going to take a lot of risks. Uh, Kickstarter and crowdfunding uh, kind of takes, takes the, the burden off of them, but it also takes the risk off of the developer and, and the, the people that creating these things uh, because – you know, they can use the money that they raise to offset the cost of what they're doing and be able to focus on it. And, sure. um, and it's greenlit by the customers. So it, it's pretty amazing, you know, just to, to, to see it happen. I mean, when, when Double Fine Adventure debuted on Kickstarter, I, I think I saw within like an hour because I was checking on the progress of another Kickstarter project that I was looking at. And, um, like immediately I, they were only asking for $400,000 and I, my first thought was 
I'll be surprised if they don't get this within the first week. Well, they got it within the first 24 hours. So <laughs> uh, it was it was kind of a, a, an amazing phenomena to kind of sit back and watch uh, as this thing just streaked for the stratosphere. Sure. And it's sitting at, what, 3.3 million now? Uh, yeah, that's what the final the final amount was, um, and and I, I think I think there's something that should be noted about uh, the Double Fine uh, Kickstarter project, the the presentation and kind of everything that they they rolled into it. Uh, I feel really uh, contributed greatly to the success of the project. Um, one, the video, the initial video that they shot. I'm sorry, you put Tim Schafer in front of a camera and you're going to laugh your ass off. Yep, I'd, awesome happens. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and, and also the fact that they brought in uh, the the documentary uh, company that works worked with Penny Arcade, uh, Two Player Productions. And as part of the Kickstarter project, uh, they said they're going to film a documentary of it. Like that was... That, that funding part of that funding was going to go into the documentary of them making the game, and so you're not just backing a game; you're backing like the whole experience of making the game. And they've already come out with uh, the first episode, um, kind of uh, showing some of the the behind the scenes stuff. But they're going to document the whole thing, like the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. You're going to see how the sausage gets made. Yep. And as Tim Schafer said, uh, we're going to put that sausage in your face. (laughs) So (laughs) that's horrifying. (laughs) Um, but again, it's like, you know, as a backer of double fine adventure, I get to, I get to watch this thing unfold and, and just have a, a great time. I mean, I put in a hundred bucks. I originally put in like thirty-five, but before it was all over, I decided I wanted something, you know, a little bit more of this, this kind of piece of history here. Um, so I, I, I raised my pledge, and I, I'm, I, it's, it's the one out of all of the ones that I've done that I'm, I'm most proud of backing. Nice. Yeah, the uh, there are a couple projects on here that uh, that I definitely want to want to fund myself. Um, there are some that uh, clearly the fans have spoken. Um, Keith Schleicher mentioned a, a Kickstarter called Zombicide to me the other day. Oh yeah, it's a board from, game, right? Yeah, it's a board game. Um, they're three thousand nine hundred and seven percent funded. I think they should be able to make their project okay. Um, <laughs> Basically, it's a it's a miniatures uh, adventure uh, title. It kind of reminded me of uh, some of like the uh, the Call of Cthulhu type stuff. Um, but the the game itself, uh, you know, typical board game style. But they've kind of kind of tongue in cheek. You know, you've got like the the uh, badass cop guy who looks not unlike a, a Bruce Willis from back in the day. Uh, you've got the the crazy Mexican guy El Cholo that uh, looks definitely like he might be Danny Trejo, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, you've got the geek with the uh, the the Molotov cocktail. 
let's not pretend that's not Sheldon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's just they they kind of they kind of tied right into that that geek culture, and I think they hit it completely. And the amount of funding that went towards it uh, kind of speaks to that. Fans clearly have said yes, we want this exactly as you've envisioned it. And having that level of control over a company is amazing. I mean, companies spend a stupid amount of money, a beyond stupid amount of money on marketing research, trying to figure out just what it is that people want. Sony's uh, president at one point said that we don't know what the hell we want, and he probably is right. Mm-hmm. So to be able to have, have gamers say, or well, not just gamers, but just supporters of any sort of creative outlet, be able to say, yes, that is exactly what I want. I'm going to throw money at it. Shut up and take my money. You know, that's, that's an amazing thing. And it, it it's going to yield products that, that we want to buy and that we want to play. Uh, the fact that you're going to get a, a shirt that says double fine backer. Yeah. That's just epic. <laughs> <laughs> and the poster. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Yes. Um, um, there are other projects on here that I thought were kind of cool too. Uh, some people are reviving, um, you know, old projects that they kind of had let languish a little bit because they ran out of money. Um, some new projects, like there's a Fallout uh, cartoon that's right. being made uh, called Fallout Nuka Break. And uh, yeah, they're looking to fund their second season. First season was great. So. Yeah, I mean, what a, what a great way to say, hey, you know, thanks for your support. Let's keep doing it. Right, right. I mean, and l- l- let me let me uh, let me make make one point though. Like before, Double Fine Adventure, uh, there were plenty of games, uh, both video games and uh, board games, that uh, were projects on Kickstarter, but like. Not all of them, and not all Kickstarters get funded. Let's be honest. No, of course not. But um, not not all of them had anywhere close to the kind of success that Double Fine did. Uh, just to kind of give you an idea of of the kind of sea change that Double Fine Adventure brought brought on. Uh, th- this is from the Kickstarter blog. Uh, in the month before Double Fine, the video games category averaged 629 pledges per week. After Double Fine's launch, the video games category averaged 9,755 pledges per week, excluding wow. pledges to Double Fine itself. Now, when that you is look, amazing. Yeah, when you look at the let's look at the dollars now. One million seven hundred seventy-six thousand three hundred seventy-two dollars. Uh, was pledged to the video games category in Kickstarter's first two years. Uh, in the six weeks after Double Fine, two million eight hundred ninety thousand seven hundred four was pledged. Uh, if you count Double Fine, make that six over six million. Um, before Double Fine, one video game project had exceeded one hundred thousand dollars. Now nine have. Wasteland Two received nearly four hundred thousand dollars in pledges from double fines first time backers so basically people came in saw double fine you know like everybody was talking about double fine adventure when it was going on uh i mean it was it was practically the shot heard around the world and all of these people came in came on to to kickstarter backed double fine and then turned around and backed another game 
and then another, and then another. I mean, uh, 22% of the first ever pledges on Double Fine have backed other projects. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's kind of the, that's the, what is that, pay it forward kind of thing? Exactly. Play it forward? Exactly. There, and, and no, it's not just video games either, and it's not just music. Um, just kind of surfing around the site, I found uh, there was two guys that run a pizza shop. Uh, they make authentic New York-style pizza, but they're in New Orleans. They needed a new oven. Guess yeah. what? They got enough people to say, hey, your pizza's damn good. Why don't we buy you a new oven? That's awesome. Yeah. Again, that's 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 the, the internet equivalent of a really big-ass uh, bucket that says donations – Mm-hmm. On your uh, on your countertop, that's the internet equivalent, and to see it succeed in that way, that's that's got to feel great for those two guys. I mean, that's that's an outpouring from their own community. You know, I, nobody that's not living there and can't taste their pizza is probably going to throw them a, a buck. But you know, to have those guys be able to kind of realize their dream because of people just able to find their their need on Kickstart is amazing. Exactly. But yeah, I, I mean, just to kind of uh, look at the last few games that have been uh, successfully funded. Uh, of course, we talked about Wasteland 2. Uh, we talked about Shadow Run Returns. Uh, a new Leisure Suit Larry game is now going to get made because of Kickstarter. Um, there's another game that I funded last last year. Called, it's going to be a uh, an iPad... Uh, adventure game, kind of in the old adventure game style, but with sort of like an early 70s anime art style uh, with a soundtrack by a band, the local band here in Austin I love, called The Octopus Project, uh, called Thunderbeam. And uh, that just looks all kinds of interesting. And then there's uh, a game called Takedown that got funded, which uh, is... And uh, it's gonna—I believe it's gonna be an iOS game uh, created by the creative director of the one of the creative directors from the Halo series, uh, and he also worked on. Hold on, let me see. Um. Anyway, it. Oh, rep- uh. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. It, it wasn't Takedown. It's Republic. Um, he was a uh, creative director at 343 Industries, worked on Halo 4. Um, and then uh, and before that, he was a producer on Metal Gear Solid 4. Nice. Uh, so you have, like, you have like some, some heavy hitters from mainstream gaming turning to Kickstarter and going, hey, I can have more control over this, and I can give my, my people what they want. Uh, so I, I think that's, that's pretty, pretty awesome. Sure. Well, I think what you're going to end up with ultimately, you're going to end up with more, uh, legend of grim rock. Yeah. Uh, that's another great example where, you know, that's, uh, it, it wasn't a Kickstarter project, but you're going to get, Hey, you know, I really dug, uh, you know, what was that? I, the beholder, I would love to play something like that again. Uh, and, you know, those guys really pulled it together. Uh, for Legend of Grimrock, they could have easily doubled the price and it'd be worth that. And how much they listened to their fans uh, was amazing. So I think that 
that's going to kind of create it's it's almost like when steam really started to get rolling you know it, it when steam started it was awful i mean right. I, people have a very short attention span when it comes to this stuff you think back to when steam launched it would take all night to update or it would update and then you couldn't play anything it, it was awful in the beginning but once they got their uh, their collective shit together um, they were able to create this landscape that allows people to have access to all these great games, both old and new, and not have to worry about where the hell are my CDs? Where's that CD key? Oh, it broke off the back of that non-replaceable weird jewel case, you know, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And it allowed smaller companies like uh, the guys behind The Legend of Grimrock to be able to bring their product to market without having to worry about, you know, I don't know what the going rate for my firstborn is, but I just had to sign him over to XYZ Publisher just to get my game out the door. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, now, I mean, it should be noted that, and I know we touched on this briefly earlier, but with Kickstarter, there are no guarantees. Um, you know, other, other you know, fairly well-known developers and, and, uh, and creatives have tried to get uh, Kickstarter projects funded uh, and not ha- not been successful. Um, I, one that I can think of right off the top of my head is uh, Robomoto, uh, the Tony Hawk ride developers, uh, tried to, to get funding help for a game they called Bedoink, which was going to be a Kinect game for Xbox Live Arcade. But they only raised a little over five thousand dollars out of thirty-five thousand dollars that they were asking for, um, you know. But it, it, well, it's kind of a crapshoot. Yeah, and again, that's where people have voted with their dollars. Exactly. Um, I got to be honest. Uh, Tony Hawk Ride, not top of my list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I talked with one of the uh, when I was head uh, out to go see uh, Guild Wars Two. One of their uh, developers had uh, had at the time been a tester, and he said that that was by far the worst game he ever had to test. Wow! So so yeah, uh, even the people working on it weren't weren't that big of fans. Um, but yeah, I mean that's people voting with their dollars. That's not a title that I would be interested in, so it wouldn't be something that I would contribute to. Uh, conversely, there's a title called Starlight Inception, and it's uh, it's being handled by the guys who. Uh, a lot of them came from, well, from LucasArts, uh, some World of Warcraft guys, but essentially it's kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of a sequel to Elite or Wing Commander, mm-hmm. and uh, they're not going to make it. They've got less than two days to go, and they're just over 54%, so it's just not, they're not going to reach their $150,000 goal. That said, um, halfway is not bad. Uh, that means that they may only have to sell half of their firstborn, but uh, yeah, um, it, it's it's hard to say that's a bad thing. Um, it's certainly eighty four thousand dollars more than they had when they started, so they might be able to you know through loans or whatever be able to take a more reasonable loan to try and get their project off the ground. But well, uh, well if 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 you if you if the project doesn't meet the goal. Then no, but nobody gets charged any money. Oh, they I just, didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. It, it has to meet the goal, or nothing happens. Wow, I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I bet you a lot of people didn't know that either. 
Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think it's a good time to to kind of talk about like what as someone who's backed a few projects and and all the projects I've backed have been successful. I've 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 either received the product that I backed or I'm waiting for it at this point. But um, I mean, I've 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 looked at a lot of projects over the last year and you know have been very selective as to what to back. And there's a few commonalities that I've noticed in projects that I've looked at that have been successful um, and that have been products that I've enjoyed since. Uh, I would say the first thing, the number one thing on the list is presentation. So the reason why I, – I almost think that the reason why Double Fine was as successful as it was – you know, there's so much relied on the presentation. Like I said before, Tim Schafer in front of a camera is comedy gold. Um, but just the way they approached it, they approached it as part of the project, they as part of the documentary of it. And, um, I mean, it really showed. They put a lot of time and effort into, you know, explaining their project and explaining what the benefits of backing that project were. And I think that's been the, the one thing that has really caught my eye in, in all of these Kickstarter projects. Um, but yeah, if, if you look at a Kickstarter project and they've got some dinky little video that doesn't really show anything, maybe there's a, a pencil drawing of what they want to create or whatever, you might want to avoid that one. Well, sure, but there's also very little risk in the fact that if they can't get their uh, their funding together, it's not going to matter anyway. Right, exactly. Now, I, I wasn't aware of that. I wasn't aware that if uh, if they didn't meet their goal, then I guess it's more – this is the – not so much the digital equivalent of the the tip bucket then. It's more the digital equivalent of the Girl Scout that comes around and says – uh, if you'll pledge, I'll run eight miles for whatever cause. Exactly. Got it. And at the point you make that pledge, it, you know, like it doesn't matter, right? You've made the pledge. They could run. Right. They could not run. Uh, right. How, I, I, and I think the reward system on Kickstarter kind of uh, keeps keeps things a little more honest, at least. Uh, there have there is a high possibility that at some point it's probably already happened. Uh, but at some point uh, someone's going to run a scam. That's actually happened already. Um, I did look into that. There were, uh, three projects that got canceled for uh, fraudulent activity. And I'm sure these are just the high profile ones. Um, and as you said, they were companies that kind of had overpromised. And didn't have the ability to, to deliver. Uh, a company called i3, they were going to make a camera drone helicopter. But, mm. uh, you know, when you're stealing pictures of other people's helicopters to use as your own, uh, you can't even come up with, as you said, a pencil sketch. Mm. Uh, it's really hard to, to believe that that's a company that's really going to put it together. Uh, there is a lot of faith, you know. I, I'm pretty sure that if I pledge money to, to Tim Schafer, he's going to deliver me some awesome. But I don't know these I3 guys from Adam. So uh, there, there is a little bit to be said for presentation. Uh, there was another pair, a uh, company called Mythic, 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, for one, you're going to get sued into oblivion just for the name. But uh, yeah, they they made some very unrealistic promises and snagged a bunch of copyrighted material from other games and tried to pawn it off as their own. And then uh, <clears throat> another one called Tech Synth Power. Um, they made a mock-up prototype, and then all of a sudden, the project creator just up and disappeared. So, yeah, there's uh, there's some some questionable stuff. But I mean, when you look at the amount of stuff that's on Kickstarter, and you've only got three good examples of canceled projects, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty darn good. Yeah, and and something else I should note. I mean, one even even if the the Kickstarter gets funded and you've given them your, their your money like there there's still no guarantee that you're going to see anything in return i mean it it's it's definitely a good faith thing but there's always that possibility that the the project owner um miscalculated what they needed to make it happen that it was actually something that didn't turn out to be viable uh etc and I mean, it's you're kind of giving them them your money on you know a fairly thin promise. That's not to say don't do it. Just no, no, not be at careful. All. Be careful when you do it. Well, I mean, there's always that chance that uh, you know you'll you'll fund this project and suddenly, oh shit, it turns into the next Duke Nukem Forever right. and takes you know. 6,000% more money than it should and comes out decades after it should. Yeah, I, I think if it looks Im- like overly ambitious and possibly unreasonable, it probably is. It's like no one is going to make a first-person shooter, online first-person shooter for like $300,000, you know, or, or $30,000. It's just not going to happen. Right. You know? be reasonable in your expectation of, of what you might see out of this. Um, also another thing, uh, some, a lot of times some of these projects take longer than they anticipated. Of course. Um, uh, I, I had, and, and sometimes it's due to the amount of popularity the project had. Like they were, they kind of calculated the time and cost for, uh, exactly the amount that they needed. And if that amount is exceeded by like 500%, then that that exponentially raises things. Um, especially if there's if there's things like t-shirts that need to be printed or ancillary uh, items that that were part of the reward system. You know, a lot of time and cost go into to creating those as well. Certainly, and when you look at uh, you know if if there's going to be a physical product. There's still some distribution aspects of that that may require, you know, the logistics of shipping things alone right. is a pain in the ass. Exactly. But having some having a box of something built is something even entirely more ridiculous. So mm-hmm. uh, that may be one of those things where experience, like for instance, the Wasteland Two project. Brian Fargo says he's going to ship me a box of something. I buy that. He's right. done that. He's shipped products. Exactly. He understands. He understands what goes into it. Jim Bob that's trying to create his first online shooter, he manages to pull it off and then bankrupts himself trying to ship it. You know, there's there's things that can and will go wrong. That's just how it how it goes. Yep. So, real quick before we uh before we wrap things up, 
I want to talk briefly about uh, kind of how this has affected the industry or how we think it will affect the industry since it's still a fairly new development. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually wondering if, if it's going to have some kind of impact on E3 this year. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a rash of new game-related projects uh, posted up to uh, Kickstarter in the weeks after E3, where a lot of these uh, these devs and creators that are shopping things around at E3 and not seeing any success. Sure, and I, you know what I'd love, I I would love to see Kensha Hall, typically where games go to die, mm-hmm. uh, and typically that's where you get all the uh, the Chinese knockoff stuff that never actually ships. Right. Um, I'd love to see that become a place for these folks that want to try, you know, hey, I've got this this project that I think would be great. Anybody want to take a risk? Nope. Cool. All right, then I'm going to run it on Kickstarter. Um, I think it'd be great to have, I, I don't want to say a swap meet because that kind of invokes an image of, you know, that, that's not necessarily genuine. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but you know, a chance for people to kind of say, you know, hey, I, I want to try and take a chance to convince you that this is, something worth backing. This is a risk worth taking. Yeah. And, and Kickstarter actually had a booth at, at PAX recently. Um, like I'll, it, I could j- just imagine how swamped like people are going to be looking at that and getting, uh, you know, learning about Kickstarter for the first time, potentially. I, I don't know how you could be in the game industry and know about Kickstarter for the first time at this point, but uh, I mean, <laughs> Well, PAX, PAX makes more sense. PAX is a uh, is a consumer uh, driven trade show, right? You know, similar to like CES. Uh, whereas E three is meant to be trade only. So, you know, maybe maybe E three is not the place for that. And places like PAX are. I don't know. Uh, that's certainly uh, something that would be interesting to see how it all plays out. Well, I, I see it would be. You know, I mean, there's two basically two kinds of audiences for Kickstarter, right? One is the the project creator and one is the backer. So, I mean, PAX definitely appeals to the backer. I can't help but think that maybe E3 would appeal to the project creators. No, oh, E3 is only a few weeks away, so we will certainly get to find out soon enough. Exactly. Um, I mean, and and you got also have to wonder uh, what the big boys are thinking about all this, right? I, I personally. I would like to see them looking at some of this, the success stories that are coming out of Kickstarter as potential opportunities for themselves to create to, as, a, as a kind of uh, a, a dowsing rod for what, the kind of games that people are willing to buy. Certainly. I think uh, every year we get a celebration of that courtesy of Steam. Uh, you've got the indie bundle that hits. and. Right. Uh, and those have been hugely successful. Even monolithic companies like EA that have in the past been uh, fairly risk averse, they funded uh, Shank and Shank 2. You know, people look at that and go, oh, it's funded by EA. Well, no, it was published by EA. You know, those guys put up their own scratch and, and made their own title and got EA to publish it. You know, but kind of that indie bundle idea is really not that far off from what we see here at Kickstarter. So, you know, something like that in the future we may see a kickstarter bundle 
right. you know, on Steam. Yeah. So it's, I'm sure it's making them equal parts nervous and equal parts excited. This is a chance to to reach fans in a new way with minimal risk. Uh, to be honest, you know, one point eight million dollars for Shadowrun, that's not a lot of money right. uh, for a video game uh, production. So, looking at that, you know, maybe there'll be less risk averse to that kind of thing in the future. Uh, I'm excited specifically about Shadowrun just by virtue of the fact that the last Shadowrun was such a visual abortion that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to I'd like to wash that taste out of my mouth and actually remember why I love Shadowrun. Yep. Yep. Um Yeah, I and and I don't know. I I I just I just hope they don't do something ridiculous like try to shut it down or you know some I I could see some publishers reacting very neg- negatively and I can see some publishers reacting very positively. Um, I can, I, I, the only thing that we can really definitively say is that they're probably paying attention. Oh, I'm certain. I'm certain that they, uh, they have their undivided attention. Yeah. Um, there's also a, a marketing aspect of Kickstarter. The fact that you have, uh, something we saw in the music world, you know, Hey, if you want to buy my, my new, uh, track, you can download it on my, on my website and pay whatever you want. So that's interesting. But now we have now we have a completely different thing. Hey, a la carte. If you want to pay me five bucks, you get this. If you want to pay me fifty, you get that. Hey, if you want to, you know, fork over seventy five hundred dollars, you get everything and more. So there's there's gotta be part of that thing where they're thinking, you know, uh back in the day a seventy dollar collector's edition was was pretty pricey. You look at the hundred and fifty dollar collector edition of uh, Guild Wars 2 or uh, The Old Republic and you can start to think, yeah, wait a minute, there are people out there that have expendable cash. Got to remember, average age of a gamer is no longer, you know, 21. Right. They're the they're the wage earners with uh, expendable cash. 150 yeah. bucks might not be a big deal. So, you know, they got to be looking at this and thinking, yeah, you know, maybe we can start to look at, hey, uh, if you wanted to spend $500 on this game will make sure that you get a, a voice line in the game or, or some, you know, something like that. So I think it's, I think there's a lot of ways in which they're now watching this, this Kickstarter project. Yeah. And then uh, it's been, it's been funny how it's been kind of uh, spreading out there. There's another site now called Gam- Gambitious, um, which it seems like they're trying to, to take the Kickstarter con, con uh, the Kickstarter uh, method and take it to the next level. Yeah, and um, you'll you'll always have that. I mean, if you look at Steam, uh, you could look at a lot of the other download services, and some of them are fantastic, but most of them are trash. So I think you're going to see some knockoffs before the dust settles. I imagine Kickstarter is still going to remain at the top. Well, though. this one's interesting in that. Oh, yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. This one's interesting in that they. Whereas uh, a Kickstarter, you're you're ba- you're backing a project, um, but you're you're kind of donating money to a certain extent. Um, right. But Gambitious, their idea is that you're actually investing in the game and you get a piece of it. Like you will see a return on your investment, like an actual 
uh, investment. Personally, I just don't I don't see it as being very viable, uh, simply because the amount that lawyers would need to get involved. Yeah, on any level. As soon as you start handing money back and it turns into a, a trade of of goods or services or money, uh, that's where the lawyers win. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, because then at that point, if if the project fails, then oh, entitled. investors can sue. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just don't see that being very successful unless unless they dumb it down to the point to where it just doesn't really even work. Um, yeah, I, I don't see that working either. Time will tell, but yeah, that doesn't sound like it's going to be a, a viable yep. uh, investment. I don't know that video games would really be my investment anyway. I mean, look at the success of uh, you know some some of the best video games that I've ever played were also some of the most commercially flopped. So you know, we don't have a sequel to Planescape Torment. In right. fact, the company that that made it is gone. And it was, it's one of the best games I've ever played. Yeah. Um, Origin, they created you know, this fantastic uh, library of titles. They're gone. You know, there's a lot of companies that make fantastic games but can't make good financial decisions. So I don't know that video game investing is really uh, in my future. Right. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have for this week. Um, Next week, we're going to be talking about the transformation of handheld gaming. Awesome. Uh, yeah, just bit, kind of looking at how uh, smartphones have uh, started pulling, bringing in new markets and pulling market share away from the, uh, the big handhelds, dedicated handhelds uh, by Sony and Nintendo. I know you're an Apple fan and all that, but uh, for those of us using the Android on the App Store today, you can download the classic uh, X-Men arcade game for free. That's how awesome handheld gaming is. I'm looking forward to that topic. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we'll see you next week. This is the Gaming Trade Podcast. Bye.